Today, we discuss the 2020 campaign, gun control, and a whole lot more in a very busy episode. Hello, America. I'm Matt. And I'm Ben. And we're the Free Will Podcast. Hello, guys, and welcome back. It feels like it has been ages, but uh, Ben was sick and I was a little bit busy, but we are back and it is a new year, 2019. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy belated New Year's. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, But with a new year comes a lot of news, so let's just get right into it. So for our first story, we got a pretty big one. Uh, That's actually kind of an understatement. So we got Obama admin running guns in Benghazi. So thanks to Tom Finn and his company, Judicial Watch, we now have Obama administration emails and memos that show that he and his cabinet were fully aware and actually conducting the funneling of guns through Benghazi to Syria. Obama and his administration were also warned about ISIS and were told that the guns were that were being funneled. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> it's a new year. I'm still getting back into it. Obama and his administration were also warned about ISIS and were told that the guns being funneled could potentially end up in ISIS control. But Obama ignored those warnings. So what do you think about this, Ben? I think that this is a huge story. This is completely ridiculous. And I, not only is this unethical for our country, but this is just genuinely un-American. We had, we had people who risked their lives, people who lost their lives and we have a pre- or we had a former president and his administration that that gave our gave our enemies who later killed us guns <laughs> i mean that is insane and that this isn't headlining news everywhere is even that's just beyond me yeah I mean, absolutely this is a huge thing mm-hmm. and it shows corruption in our <laughs> government or at least our former um, government when during the Obama administration, this shows incompetency. This shows a lack of judgment that this is just awful. Yep. Absolutely. Ben. <clears throat> and I think for me, this explains a lot of things, but the two biggest things it explains to me is number one, no wonder ISIS wasn't being diminished. It, it was expanding during the Obama years, and well, Obama himself said that ISIS will never die because it's an ideology. But, I mean, I'm sure ideologies live longer when you give them guns to fulfill <laughs> it. Yes, and number two, this explains why we were in Benghazi, obviously. Because, I mean, it's a lot of issues with this, but obviously the issue with us running guns to ISIS is awful. The fact that we are running guns in a country that we had no place being in just for the profit is That was not an ally either. It's not like we provided arms to Israel. We provided (laughs) arms to terrorists. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, So that's everything on the Obama running guns. I can't even believe that, but I'm sure we'll be discussing that more in the future. But the second one we are going to be discussing today is Elizabeth Warren 2020. So Elizabeth Warren has officially announced her bid for president of the United States in 2020. She is the first Democrat to officially announce she is running, but we should definitely expect more in the near future because it's uh to me, at least, it's already campaign season. We can have a Native American president. <laughs> oh, man, dude. Did you see 
that uh, Trump retweeted that Daily Wire meme, the Elizabeth Warren. So it was Elizabeth yeah. Warren 2020, but then he put 1,024th <laughs> on it instead. That was amazing. I can't believe that's our president. That's but, savage. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for me, though, in terms of Warren running, <clears throat> I'm not particularly worried about Elizabeth Warren. I feel like she's kind of the weakest of the bunch that's going to be announced coming up. I think Hillary is more weak, personally, but I think... Well, I think how that, do you know for sure Hillary's running, though? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think she is because she just doesn't know when to stop. Yeah, and, she's addicted to running to office. Yeah, and I think that she... I think Elizabeth Warren isn't so much of an issue for us, and I think that it's it shows just how out of touch the Democratic Party is throwing all of these old, um, like, all just all of these experienced politicians that have tons of age behind them at, like, at the, for a shot of the presidency, when I don't think that the, um, the Democrats in general want that. Like, I think that the party itself loves those, um, ruling class Democrats, but I think that the, the liberals themselves, they want they want a fresh new candidate. And I really do not see that in Warren. But I will say I'd be concerned if she actually becomes president. I, I'd be genuinely scared if that happens. Well, see with that, Ben, I'd be afraid if any of these Democrats were president. But with that being said, you said it perfectly. You said that she's out of touch. And I think that was the party is out of touch. I think the party is out of touch, but her specifically, that was the perfect word because that was going to be second on my list. I think there's a couple of problems with Warren. I think number one, she is white. So we all know that the Democrats like to play on the identity politics. So I don't genuinely believe that they could, the only white candidate in the democratic party, I could possibly see getting the vote to be the primary leader is Beto O'Rourke. And that's it. And even he's a stretch, but that's number one. Number two, like you said, she's out of touch. And number three, I think she's just too old. Like, I think that she's that, that the party wants somebody who's on the younger side. Like Obama, he was extremely young. Yeah. And he's still very extremely young. What, is Obama in his mid-50s right now? So, he, mm-hmm. I mean, they want a candidate. In well, here's a candidate 50s. that was pretty relatable to a lot of um, Democrats in particular. Because he, yep. he was a fresh um, politician. He didn't have too much experience, but he had charisma. He was a minority. I think that the the saving grace for Warren is that she's a woman, and she's gonna. I think she's gonna use that as her primary um, <laughs> campaign. But I think that she she just doesn't get that she needs to actually run on ideas. At least how I I see it is you shouldn't use a physical trait you shouldn't use a ethnicity or anything as a selling point i think everything should be merit-based and ideology based that that's really what it comes down to but when you have people who say oh i'm a woman so therefore i'm entitled to this or i'm african-american so i'm entitled to this or people who say i'm whatever and i'm entitled to this you're not entitled and that shouldn't be your primary focus for your campaign. It should be what you want to accomplish, how you accomplish it, and what and how you look at 
seeing the world and how you see America and its future. That should be yep. what you run against. Absolutely. And I think you said that perfectly. But before we end this, <clears throat> I I feel like we'd be doing a disservice to the viewers if we don't if we're talking about Elizabeth Warren and we don't discuss her live stream on Instagram. Oh, that was hilarious. It was so, <laughs> so bad. It was unwatchable, dude. She was like so robotic. Just you can see how hard she's trying to be relatable. I mean, I it just makes it worse, though. I yeah, I know. I appreciate she's trying hard, but it's just not working. Just be yourself. If you're not you, if you don't like yourself, then you shouldn't be president of the United States. But it was mm-hmm. so bad, dude. She was like robotic. She was like, "I am going to get a beer," and not even just that. But she was trying to talk and, like, insult our intelligence as just regular Americans. She's a Harvard professor, and she's saying, I'm going to get me a beer. Like, you don't talk like that. We know you don't talk like that. It reminds me of Hillary Clinton when she was running, and she had different voices depending on where she went to rally. Oh, that was bad, too. And not just that. Hillary Clinton also had the – when she was on the rap radio show she was talking about she carries hot sauce everywhere <laughs> when they asked her what's the biggest thing to carry and they knew they were like yo you know you're pandering to us right and she was like oh no she was like acting all cool it's like we all see through it like if you're gonna be authentic be authentic because i think the problem is that obama set the bar so high <laughs> in touch with voters that they're all just trying so hard now to become in touch with their voters. But yeah, because they just don't have do it. it. Like, yeah, they don't have the do like Obama they, did. they have too much experience in there. They're just too old for to um, try and act like that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> they're not fooling anybody. We, we can all see through it, obviously. And it's just making it worse. It's just making it worse. How yep, is it, that it. presidential <laughs> at all saying, I'm going to go get me a beer? <laughs> yeah, it was so bad. And like it was it, like you said, it's just making everything worse. Like, obviously, like nobody will ever be Obama again in any party. I don't think in terms of how he connected with the average American, how he was just kind of like an average Joe. Like he was a very well-spoken man. But at the same well, time, I mean, at least that was his, his image as an average Joe, but he really was not. He was not. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. He was a law graduate from Ivy League schools. He was extremely well-spoken. He was an elected politician. So that automatically equates him to not being an average. And he didn't even live in America for some of his childhood. Yeah. Up till he was like, I think he was like nine or ten when he moved over to America. But with that being said, though, I feel like the biggest piece that helped Obama in terms of being relatable was he was just so culturally intelligent. He was in touch with all the music that everybody was listening to. He was in touch with all the trends of the time. He was young. He was in great shape. He had this perfect uh, nuclear family or the atomic family. I apologize where you have like the wife and the two kids and the dog. Like it was just very perfect. Like he had the very perfect image in society and in the media so yeah it was i don't think he he was charismatic he he was well spoken he appealed to minorities and that is just not something that warren has that's not something anybody in this run has the only one like i said that i i know i keep pounding on it but nobody wants to listen to me but i'm telling you right now i am worried about beto o'rourke like if i think anybody in that party 
could possibly take Trump and make him a one-term president, it would be Beto O'Rourke. Especially if he ran with somebody like Biden as vice president again. Like that would, it, I would, I'm not saying we would lose, but I'm saying I would definitely have to be a little more worried. Like if we were talking about a Warren Trump race or even a Warren Kamala Harris or Cory Booker race, like I'm not particularly worried about Trump losing. But well, I'm, he- I'm going to be honest. I think that they do have a chance at winning. I do think that they have a chance at knocking Trump off of the presidency. And I, but I don't really think that it's a per candidate basis. I mean, obviously, if you, if you have Hillary Clinton again, that is going to harm that party. But I yeah. think that for most of the candidates, as long as they are reasonable to what the Democrats want, like the voting Democrats, I think that I I think that it's not going to make a huge difference who they have running, whether it's him or even if it's Warren, I think that the people are still going to vote for who they're going to vote for. I think that the Democrats especially will be looking at the ballot box, seeing a Democrat and they they'd have their Trump hate. So they would, so they would um, go for the Democrat or the Republican would see that a Democrat on there and just be like, no, I want Trump some more. Yeah. That's a, that's I, a I don't think good that point. it would make, all too much of a difference as long as they don't choose an unreasonable candidate like well the only thing that worries me and the only reason i think it would affect if o'rourke ran compared to somebody like warren is o'rourke it's the public has the image of a moderate democrat and he's very well seen he's very obama-like and i think that a lot of moderate republicans who were not fans of trump but just voted for him anyways would be very willing to vote for somebody they think is a moderate democrat as opposed to somebody like trump mm-hmm. which is what would be the only thing that worries me about somebody like trump <laughs> well what worries me is that i think that since there is very little moderation in the democratic party itself i'm concerned that there is that there's a large amount of people that are just going based on this media that's going on that are just watching, indulging themselves in the CNNs, just reading all of these heavily biased um, media websites and believing that stuff and just falling for that bait and not voting their conscience and voting for, again, for a party based on what they think is, is fact, but is really opinion at best and fiction at worst. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great point, and I think that's a good spot to end it and <clears throat> move on to our third topic, which is Alexa wiretapping. <clears throat> uh, so, an Amazon user in Germany requested about his personal activities and inadvertently gained access to seventeen hundred audio tapes of a person that he didn't know. And when he listened to the audio files, it appeared to be from the point of view of Amazon Alexa device. And the recordings were conversations and personal notes the stranger was making to an Amazon Alexa device. Crazy. I mean, this is this is scary, but this isn't something that shocks me so much because I know that. I mean, when you have something like Alexa in your house, you have you're being recorded. Alexa is listening to you. Hell, even your phones. I was gonna say your phones phone. are recording you. You they mm-hmm. there's there's not much privacy in the um, tech world. 
but Alexa in particular, that is literally just this thing that is in your house recording you listening to your commands. And how can you expect to own that and not and not have some invasion of privacy with that? Yep, and it just shows that it's they're doing things with it though. Like we know that they're recording it. But what we've been told, which I didn't believe anyways, was that we were having it just stored. For whatever reason, they were just storing it for whatever, but they weren't giving it out. They're giving it out to people now. Mm-hmm. And that's the big piece for me. And it's kind of funny because I ended up getting an Amazon Alexa as a present for Christmas, and I'm not touching it. I mean, I love my family and I deeply appreciate they gave me the Amazon Alexa device for Christmas, but I value my privacy mm-hmm. and I know that I already have enough invasion of privacy with my cell phone and with my computer devices and oh, yeah. my microphones. And I would just really like to have at minimum, my last line of defense is me just being in my room, talking to myself, recording things or talking about things and just not having to worry about Amazon Alexa popping on and laughing right now while I'm talking saying that's recording you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't need that on top of everything so I, I mean yeah I mean with our with our phones we already talked in previous episodes about the about the Apple censorship discussions that they're bringing about and the, you have you have social media that you think just because you click a consent button or not means that they're going to listen to you or not or record you. But meanwhile, I have, say for instance, Instagram, I have um, the sound, the microphone off, disabled. I have camera disabled. So you think that there's no way for them to listen to me, yet I get advertisements that are specifically targeted for me like yep. stuff that I know I was talking about at some point, but having it all the time disabled and they still get that. So there is no privacy at this point with your cell phone. But I think that Alexa is just one other thing that you're just sacrificing your privacy on. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's just kind of sad because it's tough for me because I feel like I think it's a beautiful thing seeing technology advance forward and gaining such traction and innovation. But at the same time, these are the kind of things like we're going to lose our freedom of privacy just because this is the route we're going with technology. Like it's a double edged sword. Exactly. And there's going to be a point in time, whether it's 10 years from now, 15 years from now, I don't see it being less than or more than 20 that we are going to have a house that's completely controlled by technology and it's going to, we're going to have no privacy. Mm-hmm. Cameras will be everywhere. Microphones will be everywhere. There'll be, everything will be monitoring every single little step in thing we do. Like, it, it's just kind of sad. And that's why, like sometimes <laughs> I kind of wish we could just stop right here. And just kinda like, I mean, the, there, there's stop. definitely times when I feel like we should have stopped a while back, but I mean, this is the day and age that we live in. We we pretty much as a society accept that we don't have complete freedom, and that's sad. But it is the truth, especially on social media platforms. And I'm guilty. I have social media. We, we both do, but it is it's something that in this day and age is hard to let go of, but at the same time, it's, it's so controlling over <laughs> your freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. And I try my best. I really do. Like I 
don't have Snapchat anymore. I try to limit my Instagram and Twitter use. Sometimes I'll even, like I just did it a couple of weeks ago, I'll just take like a week or two off from social media and just keep myself from being engulfed in it. And it's because it's targeted for you. Every single user has it's their own personal experience, and it's becoming more and more specific, and that's a scary part. But luckily, we live in the best country for this situation to happen. Like this guy, he lives in Germany. Germany doesn't have anywhere near the personal protection laws that America does, and that's probably why something like this was allowed to happen. Like they record our stuff in America, but if they ever tried to – give it out to somebody or give out private recordings that weren't consented for in America, there would be something done about it. Like, you see... Well, I mean, Facebook is is guilty of that. Oh, yeah. You know that they're guilty of surveillance and recording when their founder has tape over his webcam. You know he said that? Mark Zuckerberg Mm -hmm. said that he keeps tape over his webcam and turns off his microphones off when he is in his house because he has fears of personal privacy invasion. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes, he yes he himself invades our privacy when we're on exactly that says it all for you right there. It 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 is definitely something that is scary, and we need to keep an eye on. Absolutely, and I think that we shouldn't just settle so much for this. We shouldn't just say, you know what, I don't care that much about my freedoms. I think that this is something we have to fight for. And it's some. It's going to be an issue for a while, and I can only see it as getting worse in the yep. future. And that's a good time to segue into our next topic. Speaking of things that might get worse in the future, and we should keep an eye on, is uh, China threatening to seize Taiwan. Uh, in a statement made by mm-hmm. the president of China, he suggested that China would militarily seize the independent nation of Taiwan and bring it back under full control of the Chinese government. So. I'm going to say something right now. It's going to seem hypocritical, but let me explain. I promise that I have my explanation. And last week on the episode, we were talking with Chase, and we were talking about pro-war, anti-war. And I kind of cemented myself as somebody who was anti-war. And for the most part, I was regarding that to the Middle East. And I say that because the Middle East, I feel like, was just kind of a big catastrophe. And I feel like there was a lot of reasons that were wrong that we got into the Middle East. But something like this is going to lead me to correct myself today on this episode and say that I am a sometimes war person. And the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like if the (coughs) second or third most powerful country in the world is acting authoritarian and taking over democratic countries – that is means for us to get involved. I'm not saying that they're gonna. I think it's just talking posture. But speaking of hypothetics here, I think that if I don't, I wouldn't care if it was another country. Like if it was just some sort of like a communist country or a lawless country, I wouldn't care. But it's the fact that it's a democratic republic, just like us. It has a constitution. It's an independent nation. It seceded from China over 20 years ago. And if China is going to be taking over democratic nations that's when we need to get involved because at being the most powerful country in the world we have an obligation to protect democracy we don't have an obligation to just protect people but we have an obligation to protect democratic nations that can't protect themselves because that will incentivize Mm -hmm. democracy across the world 
And, and let me tell you, um, Taiwan has no chance without backing against China because obviously China is a massive <laughs> yes. country. Yes, absolutely. They have a lot of resources, and it is they are definitely a threat that I see as only growing worse in the near future. And we definitely not only need to keep an eye on them, but we can't we can't let them bully other nations like like this and definitely not let them invade. <laughs> yeah, not not Especially just invade, them, but seize, like take back over. This is like literally like they're trying the way China's describing it is like a Polish invasion by Germany style seize and military takeover of Taiwan. <laughs> so it's definitely this is definitely a country that is that is really powerful and is not in the um common interest of democracy uh and continuing on some china news uh we're gonna go on to our next topic involving china which was china threatening to attack the u.s navy (laughs) and uh no i'm not kidding you that that is an accurate title so as if that last story weren't enough, uh, at the completion of China's first domestically built aircraft carrier, one of China's top admirals made comments about attacking and sinking United States naval aircraft carriers. So, continuing on what I was talking about with the last China topic, this is another situation where I'm sometimes war. Obviously, if you attack us, you're gonna, oh, yeah. we're going to go to war. <laughs> And, and and with someone like China, it, it isn't going to be a small war either. That that could escalate to a world war. Yeah, that's a global conflict for sure, and that's that's the worry here. I think that China's all posturing. I don't think China's threats are any more credible than North Korea's threats or anybody else's threats made towards us. Iran, all of them. They're all just trying to get under our skin because that's what happens when you are the most powerful nation on earth. Everybody else is trying to diminish you and get get you to react in a way that you shouldn't react. Yeah. And that's what's happening here. China isn't our ally. They don't have the same ideals as us. They, they live in a dictator-like country. They, they really don't have any freedom. At least the citizens there don't. Yep. And they, and they just want to seem like some tough guys by threatening a global power such as the U.S. And I've really... Yeah, I... I, I think they're bluffing i hope they're bluffing because that would not be a pretty conflict at all and and again if you shoot down us we we will start a war i mean especially (laughs) if we have a president with a backbone which i i i believe that if they did something that trump would engage would declare war but but honestly though you never know just because of the Democrats constantly um, threatening Trump that saying that if he was president, a war would start and Trump would try and salvage that. But, but he should go to war. If I was going to say, they, I'm sorry, but if we're getting attacked, I don't care what the Democrats say. about. I, I don't Trump's either. I, I think that if we get attacked, we go to war with them because we don't stand for that. We don't, we can't be bullied and we can't be pushed around. We need to, fight for our service members we need to stand for other americans we need to stand for democracy and we we don't tolerate that we just don't 
Yep, absolutely. And I think exactly like you said, that's where we draw the line. Like you, you saw what happened last time a country attacked America twice. So if you want to do it again, if you're feeling lucky, you can go ahead. But I promise you it's not going to end well. Well, I mean, I mean, unless if you're ISIS and you're and or if you're some Syrian terrorist and you attack our soldiers and our embassies in Benghazi, then I guess you're safe. Yeah, then I not just safe. I guess you're being armed by us. Yeah, uh, it is that again, that that's ridiculous that that happened. But but now I think we have a president with a stronger backbone and I, I. I think that if something were to happen with China, if they were to attack us, we we would not stand for them. We would fight back. Absolutely. I think that's perfectly said. Uh, So I want to move on to our next topic from there. We're going to go back to domestic stuff going on. Uh, So our next topic is Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. I think I don't know how that's pronounced. I think it's Tlaib. uh, Cusses and promises impeachment at a Democrat event. So just hours after being sworn in, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib appeared at a liberally funded private event talking to a crowd of supporters. And she was quoted saying, quote, we probably meaning Congress will go in and impeach that mother effort. Of course, she said the real F word, but I'm not going to use that on the show personally. But it just kind of shows the classy kind of people that we're electing to office. I mean, it shows how spiteful they are and how they don't care at all about the self. I mean, they don't care about the interests of the people. All they care about is political power. And that is we that is ridiculous that we elected people as a country to represent us in office. And that is what we represent. People who are swearing at our own president like that, people that are threatening impeachment when they have tried and tried but could not find anything to support impeachment. Yep, they, absolutely. They, they, they need to start realizing what America needs as a country, what the people need, what the people want, and what is best for us, and stop with this petty partisan... I hate Trump. He's a bad man, so therefore we need to impeach him, <laughs> even though we can't prove anything that is um that requires impeachment. Yep. So it's just we we need to focus on issues and solutions, and not on this back and forthness. I know it's terrible, and I think this is actually the same congresswoman. I don't know if you remember that a couple months ago after she got elected like i think the night of or the day after the midterms when she got elected she came out (laughs) and said something along the lines of like we need to cut our ties with israel and israel is a sinful nation just kind of just demolished israel in this tweet i don't remember the exact tweet but it was terrible notice how she uses the word we when clearly we the people do not support of this it's just her and maybe a few other Democrats, but I don't even know as far as the Israel thing goes. But Israel is, again, our strongest ally in the Middle East, if not in the world. And they stand for a lot of American values. And and who who's she going to support? The Palestinians, the people who are who are actively killing Israelis 
Hamas, who's blowing up Jewish people in the Middle East. And, I mean, what does she think the outcome would be? There, Israel supports us. We support them. They have technology that we need. They, they have so much innovation there. And we're going to sacrifice all of that so that we can feel politically correct. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't like that one one bit. And I agree with that totally. <laughs> I mean, this is, again, again, you need to stop with the, with the um, common rhetoric that they have that um, Trump equals bad about how, how everyone who is, who is white is against a certain um, group or ethnicity or religion when it is not true just because Israelis aren't they aren't islamic doesn't mean that they are um in that they are inferior people i mean uh, at the end of the day we are all just people and it doesn't matter what religion you identify with it doesn't matter um what ethnicity you are you're you, at the end of the day you're a person and and threatening to to withdraw our um alliance with a group of people who have similar interests with us, with similar viewpoints, and who is a strong ally, is a grave mistake. Yeah, it sends absolutely. the wrong message that that came from the United States in yeah. o- in office. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in the Obama administration. But I do want to touch something that you started saying, but stopped saying that it doesn't define them, whether whatever religion you are, whatever race you are, it doesn't define you. And unfortunately though, we're living in an era of identity politics where that is some people's entire personality, like their entire identity is built around this one thing, whether it's being Muslim or being a minority, like it's yeah built around that. And as we've said before, the, some of these politicians, their entire their entire campaign is based around them being a woman or them being a minority, not on their actions or their merit. I mean, again, I do not care what you are. I don't care about your ethnicity. I don't care about your gender. Just show me what you believe in what plans you have for the country, how you plan on fixing our issues, and how you plan on improving our nation. That is what I care about. Civil I don't discourse. care about something that you were born with and have no control over. Yeah, because that's not that... I mean, to say it's of no value is wrong, but there, it's not your whole character. Like, it's not... No, it, it doesn't define you. Exactly. Perfectly said, Ben. Uh, so... I want to move on to our next topic with that being said. Uh, So our next topic is government shutdown continues. So after two weeks of the government shutdown with no progress on a funding deal. The world actually has not ended yet. Yeah, surprisingly (laughs) enough, despite what the Democratic media wants to say, the world has not ended yet. And uh, I guess during a press conference or like a discussion with Trump, one of the media reporters asked him a question about the shutdown. And Trump made comments saying, quote, I can make this shutdown last months or maybe even years. So I think this is some of that 
stubbornness that Trump is kind of putting into play here that it's working out for us. And I think sometimes Trump can be stubborn on things that we don't want him to be stubborn on or he shouldn't be stubborn on. And then sometimes he's stubborn on things that work in our favor. I think this is one of those things that I really after. I mean, I wasn't sure at first, but seeing we're two weeks in, he's making comments like this. I could, I genuinely believe that Trump is not going to budge on the wall. And he, well, I mean, he can't because that was his campaign promise, and he's not. He's going to be remembered as someone who can't fulfill his promises if it doesn't happen. Exactly. So I think this is, regardless of how long it goes, I think that he's not going to stop until we get the funding for the wall. And And I I don't think he should stop. And and again, it doesn't matter what we call it. We need. We need something around our border because physical we are border a nation security. without borders. Not legislative border security. Physical border yeah. security. We like we need physical obstruction from the act of um, breaking into a country illegally. Because really, they're breaking into the United States when they come here illegally. Yeah, but like literally, like literally, I'm not asking for a Great Wall of China here. I'm just saying something more than we have now. Because basically what we have now, you're basically like, there's no protection. We have Oh, there's uh, nothing. We have a six-foot-tall fence that people can both climb over pretty easily and dig under extremely easily. That or- is at the best parts of our security. We have some areas with nothing. We have some areas where... You have just these little wooden beams that you can literally sit on. Like, they, they, they aren't that highly elevated. That's where a lot of our heroin's coming from, people who just cross that. Yeah, and it's terrible. And, like, I'm sorry, but despite what the media's trying to tell you, I'm going to sit here and tell you that a wall works. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look at everywhere in the world that has done it, whether it be China or <laughs> Israel or whether it be South Korea at the DMZ, like walls work. (laughs) I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. If you put in a 25 foot tall, even if it's just some like reinforced steel border, like if it's not like a brick wall, that's fine. Anything that's 25 feet tall or 20 feet tall or 15, even just something that is, makes it difficult for people to get over. And I, I was watching them, uh, the head of the, um, border patrol he was on with trump and he was talking about the border wall and you know how we've put <laughs> in some places already we put in some like prototype border wall mm-hmm. and he was showing the stats that like since we put those in like a year ago those areas have seen like 300 percent decrease in people attempting to go over at those spots because the wall works <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, it, I mean, it's, it is, and when you say that the wall is trying to keep out certain people from our country, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with these people applying through the legal citizenship, there's legal immigration, but they always leave out the word illegal, they always leave that word out when they try and diminish the wall, when they try and um elevate all of the people who come here illegally and at the end of the day illegal and criminal a criminal is someone who commits an illegal act so therefore everyone who's in the country illegally is a criminal you you have a problem you have a big problem that you have people that are saying that the wall goes against american beliefs 
when you you just need to realize that America has always been the land of opportunity, but you can't abuse that by coming in here when you're not when you don't go through the citizenship. Yep, perfectly process. said. And ironically enough, I think Chuck Schumer said it best in 2009 in a speech that was leaked uh, last week that. I'm sorry, but when the government and our politicians use words like undocumented immigrant or just don't bring up the fact that they are illegal immigrants, it gives the perception to the public that our legislators are not serious about stopping illegal migration to the United States. And they're not. But I think it just shows right there that they are not very serious about it at all. And we should be electing people who are serious about it. Well, they omit those words because they know that if they put them in, their whole ideology is flawed. They know that it is flawed, but they can't. They can't um, openly say, "Oh yeah, we're we believe in we believe in people breaking into this country illegally. We believe in people who are undocumented, people who have no health medical records, people of." who we don't know are criminals or not, come into the country and use up your tax dollars. They can't say that because then there would be outrage. But instead, if they say there's immigrant families who are being separated, the wall is only going to try and stop certain ethnicities from coming in. The wall is discriminatory. <laughs> that's, that's why they spin things so that their views that are flawed seem less flawed. Absolutely. I think that's... Uh... Perfectly said, Ben. So I want to segue into our next topic, leaving on that note. And our next topic is uh, Nancy Pelosi officially reelected as House Speaker. So can't. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. California Democratic (laughs) Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi was reelected almost unanimously as Speaker of the House. And like, I'm not going to talk that much about this because we've talked about this a lot. And I've already said that Mm -hmm. I think out of all the Democrats, she deserved it. She was the one of the big driving forces in the midterm results, I think that it just kind of would not make sense for it to be anybody else. And it's a win-win because it makes sense for them and it helps us because she's not going to get anything done with Trump. <laughs> so, well, I so. mean that, that goes both ways though. For us, it helped for Republicans or people on the fence. It might help with that, but it could also go the other way that people view her as standing up against the, evil trump administration i mean i i don't doubt it just because i've seen what some of the people actually believe in america at this point in time and how they they can just be force-fed such uh large amounts of propaganda in the media and actually absorb that and See, believe well, that the way i feel about it is the more and more we do this, this whole just being involved in politics, whether it's doing a podcast or just even watching the news, the more I learn that the average American isn't stupid. And the average American is most people like you or I or somebody who's on the fence that has no strong feelings either way, but can be swayed either way. And they're not like it's not very a strong opinionated person. Like it's just kind of like they want to be won over. And I think that those kinds of people, which I think are the majority of Americans, are watching the news and watching the coverage of this stuff and seeing what is happening with the Republicans trying to push something as important as border security. And it's just completely getting blocked by Democrats because they don't want to even give a dime. They said 
that even if Trump lowered the the number that he wanted for the uh, amount of money he wanted for the border wall, they still wouldn't accept it because they just want nothing about the border wall. And I think that shows to the average Joe American that the Democrats just don't want to get things done, especially not just things, important things such as illegal migration, which is a, a certain something that we've had serious issues with over the past 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I do agree that I think that most Americans are not stupid. I think that most Americans do see the world as as what they think as what they think it is. But you have a few issues, which is, again, the brainwashing that that I'm not going to say most Americans suffer from. But I, I do believe that it has some effect. I'm not saying it doesn't the have brainwashing that they constantly see and the suppression of different views. But one other thing that I have to account for and that, that I think we as a country need to is that we need to realize that there is that you can't it's OK to be wrong. It is OK to have opinions and change your mind. But I think that some people just hold too strong to things that they either believed in previously or things that they at one point believed in or still believe in, even though it got factually and logically proved wrong. I think that you have people who still back these ideas that that they, in their own minds, probably disagree with, but they just don't want to admit that. I think that you have to have people who believe more in their conscience opinions and less on what party norms are and less about what they are told to believe. Absolutely, Ben. Uh, I couldn't have said it better. So I do want to move on to the next topic. So we're going to go... A little global here for a second. We don't usually go global, but this is something that's relatively important in terms of ideology, so I do want to discuss it. So our next topic is preparations underway as the UK is set to leave the EU in March. So if the United Kingdom and the European Union cannot come to an agreement in the next two months on how to go about a European Union-controlled Brexit, then the UK will officially just secede from the European Union completely as an independent country. And for me, I think this shows, and it's it was very convenient timing that as Trump, a conservative legislating president, was getting elected in America, that these other nations, specifically Poland, uh, the UK, South Korea, were electing Republican leaders as well, or pushing for Republican-type <laughs> ideals or conservative-type ideals, such as a Brexit. Because, honestly, for me, I love Brexit because I feel like the there's a lot of issues with being in a European Union like that. But the biggest issue for me and the biggest issue that I see when I look at a country like the UK is that you don't have borders. It's like mini – it's like globalism light. Like you have a mini world right there of all those European countries – that they don't really have any borders that you can just go and come and go as you please amongst all those countries without having a passport or anything. You can just come and go. Citizens of all the different countries can go to the other ones and just swap around. And it's a total mess. And I can. And yeah, shocker. There is a ton of crime. Yeah, it's shocker. There's, there's ton of crime. Exactly. And yes, I think that the UK is a little more liberal in terms of their legislation, but I do see that. Not only in France are the people revolting now, but I think that in the UK, the everyday working man is very much a blue-collar conservative that really kind of just pushes for just leave me alone, let me live my life and provide for my family and just be happy. (laughs) 
Well, there there is some um, conflict in um, the UK, as we've seen um, in the previous um, year or two. We had um, in the UK some suppression of freedom of speech that had some um, flat-out protests against. Like, remember when they jailed? That yeah, guy? I do. It, it, it was a while ago, but... But I think that that's still relevant because you had in that country, you have a very liberal country that that is that while it would be super scary in America to have something like that it is something that is happening in reality in the countries across the yep. pond. It is it is affecting people. And I think that most of I well the European Union itself is in shambles. <laughs> yeah, most of those countries they're just stricken with terrorism and crime. There, there's protests going left and right in Europe. You have, you you just have have them in turmoil. And I think that when the or it, what whatever happens with the UK, I don't think it is necessarily going to become more conservative i think it's still going to say liberal but i do think that um getting out of the european union is the good move just because again there is there's no security there is constant terrorism and there it's falling yeah, apart i agree and for me it's a complex relationship between the uk in terms of their politicians and their people because i feel like it's a complex situation because I feel like it's really conservative people kind of holding liberal politicians as a uh, as accountable as possible. Like it's not very successful. Mm. Like you said, they're still limiting free speech and banning weapons and stuff like they're losing rights. But the, I feel like the British people are fighting as hard as they can. Like these blue collar people are really fighting for their rights and they're trying their best that they can with this I want to say Rhino, but they're they're not Republicans in the UK. So Rhino, though, of Theresa May, that she poses in public into the uh, British people as this conservative, strong head female. But she's such, and at best, she's a moderate Democrat. And it really just shows that in... I think a kind of big piece of that that was shown that the United Kingdom was like, okay, we got to hold her accountable more often now is when she totally botched Brexit. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, Brexit should have happened three years ago. They voted for it. It passed. Mm -hmm. And then Theresa May botched it when she presented it to the EU, and it never ended up happening. So, I mean, she's just kind of a mess. The UK is kind of a mess, but I think this is a big step in the right direction. Europe is, for the most part, a mess right now. It is, but I do think that Brexit is a very big step in the right direction. Mm. I want to move on to our next topic. We're going back home real quick. We're going to talk more about Trump. And our next topic is Trump slams General Mattis in press conference. So in a press conference on Wednesday, Trump criticized his soon-to-be former Secretary of Defense, James Mattis. He made comments saying that basically along the lines of Mattis got a $14 billion military budget boost in his two years, and he did an awful <clears throat> job in Trump's opinion with it. That was basically along the lines of what Trump said. And this is coming after Mattis had that brutal resignation letter where he just kind of ripped apart Trump. He had no, no good things to say about him, and he was kind of just basically saying they've been disagreeing for years, and then the Afghanistan-Syrian pullouts were the last straw. So, I mean, for me, 
this is kind of just <clears throat> Trump being childish. I mean, I don't think he should have said it. It was uncalled for. It was in my no, opinion. it was uncalled for in my opinion too. But with that being said, I think that since he did say it, it's fair to discuss what he said, and I do think there was some truth to that. I'm not saying that Mattis was a bad Secretary of Defense, but I do think that Trump's kind of biggest thing that he ran on was pulling out of Syria and Afghanistan, and Mattis put had him put more troops there. I mean, at the end of the day, it was Trump's choice, but he was being advised by Mattis, and I think that's kind of what Trump's bitter about. And I think Trump <coughs> wouldn't have did, did this if Mattis wasn't so brutal in his resignation letter, because if you remember correctly, when Mattis uh, officially announced his reg- resignation to the public, Trump came out, he was like, it was wonderful, nothing but good things to say about General Mattis, loved him, one of the most beloved people on our cabinet, we're going to miss him. And then Mattis came up with this brutal resignation letter, and now Trump's all upset, and he's like, yeah, well, I don't think he did a good job anyways. I think it's Trump just kind of being a child, and Trump always has to get the last word. And Mm -hmm. I think that he shouldn't be saying that for a couple reasons. Number one, it's just unprofessional. And number two... Especially when you're a president yes, of the United it's States. it's unprofessional for the president to say that. And number two, which I think is more important to dissect, is he's saying this when Mattis resignated. So he's saying that the guy he picked to be Secretary of Defense didn't do a good job. But when you're supposed to pick the best people for the job, you're saying you don't think he did a good job? Like, no, that's not what's happening here. It's just Trump being a child. I don't think he actually thinks Mattis did a bad job. I think that he's just upset that Mattis kind of insulted his character. And this is where we kind of see the egotistical, mm-hmm. narcissistic side of Trump come out. And I don't like it. <laughs> um, it. It is pretty well known that one of Trump's biggest flaws is his ego. And he cannot have anybody um, rip on it in any way or question anything of his opinion or his character. And that is definitely present in this, and I and that is again what feeds the Democrats <laughs> who try yep, to attack absolutely. him. Absolutely, and I I hope he improves more on it. He said that um, when he was doing that interview at midterms, he said he'd like to kind of mellow out a little bit, and not be so hostile. But I haven't really seen that. If we're being honest, nope. I mean, m- maybe hopefully he'll have a New Year's resolution. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so because I don't I don't like when he does this, and this is kind of just hurts everybody in the situation so yeah mm-hmm. it definitely doesn't make him oh look absolutely good. no chance <laughs> uh yeah so that's all on that topic i want to move on to our next topic which is another judicial watch topic and that topic is los angeles california sued to remove 1.5 million inactive voters from ballot mailing list so judicial watch officially completed a lawsuit on a los angeles county california to remove 1.5 million inactive voter names from the voting roll. And <coughs> if you don't know what inactive voter means, it means anybody that has either moved out of the country, moved out of that county, died, become unable to physically vote, anything along those lines. Basically, they're not active voters. <laughs> It, so that's what an inactive voter is. And Los Angeles County alone, this election, had 1.5 million of them on the voter roll. Which. How many times do I have to say it? The dead and the illegal. <laughs> exactly. Democrat. So 
Judicial Watch is doing a great service here. I know I haven't talked about it much, but I love Judicial Watch. They're they're great. They're a great source. They're always getting huge pieces of information. They go through a lot to get this stuff. They they file FOIAs and they wait sometimes five years to get some of this stuff to be completed and go through. And it's doing a great justice because this is just a small step, but this is hopefully going to unravel a bigger problem. Because if Los Angeles County had 1.5 million, you can only imagine. Imagine exactly, the other places in this and country. Specifically California. And I mean, 1.5 million. What is that? Like 10% of the illegal immigrant population. So I'm not saying all of those. It, were, it's, well, it's a huge number. Yeah, regardless. It is just but It's a big step in the right direction of making it so only Americans are voting. And I, I love that. And that. And people talk about the Russian collusion where there's no evidence and how uh, much of an infringement that is on our election process. Yet we have 1.5 million inactive voters in Los Angeles County yeah. alone. That is a real that that is something we have proof of. We have evidence of. And that is a real issue. Yep, absolutely. And I think it's just a mess. Our whole voting situation is a mess right now. I mean, we even just had at midterms there. The the liberal lady who was counting the votes in Florida during that rundown, and she was throwing away votes. <laughs> she was throwing them in the trash because they were, quote, damaged. It's not her job to decide when they're damaged. You know what's damaged? Your thought process. You can't just do that. And that's, unfortunately, the situation that we've been left. It shows a it, pettiness. It's total pettiness. Have. And it's something we've been left after the Obama administration, unfortunately, because of all the good cultural qualities that Obama might have brought, he also brought a whole lot of pettiness to the government and to the whole election process. And I think that's kind of what's been showing since Trump got in because Trump's uncovering all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is definitely a issue that I think we're going to see even more of, especially in 2020. This is going to re- we're really going to see what's going to happen as far as um, this whole voting situation yep. is going to go. Because we already know that Democrats are going to call for a, a recount if Trump wins. We already know that there's going to be a lot of... Um, there's going to be a, a huge mess as far as all of this sorting goes. And it is not... It's not going to yeah, be it's gonna, it's going to be bad. And... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything on that. So I, my, my advice is to stop being a sore loser and just let the American people choose who they want to be for president. Yep, that's perfectly said. I think that's pretty sage advice right there. Uh, so our next topic, we're almost done with the topics. Uh, our next topic is House Democrats to introduce background check gun bill on Tuesday. So House Democrats will introduce their bill to require universal background checks in firearm purchases on Tuesday. It is being introduced by Nancy Pelosi and Mike Thompson. So, some more common-sense gun laws that are trying to be implemented into our government. They want it federally and universal. So, that's where I have an issue. Well, there's a lot of issues with this. I don't like the idea of Democrat background checks. If it was a basic background check, I mean, that's what most people have. They just like, are you a criminal? No? Okay, you're good. So that's basically what a background check is supposed to be. But Democrats have turned it into so much more and they've turned it into a psychiatric evaluation. And not just that, but I think this is 
one thing that people don't talk about is when they try to federally mandate gun laws, I think this expands the power of the government because it takes states' rights it away. Does. It leaves it takes it away for the state to decide what's best for them. And it's centralizing the government even more by making it a federal universal law. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a few issues with this. One of the issues with this universal back background checks is that you have, so you have this, so this is something that they want to happen between like friend on friend, just exchanging um, firearms. This is, this is meant to apply to literally every single thing, and that's just not viable. That just cannot, like, happen. There just is no way for them to be able to monitor every single transaction that happens. And I think – and another issue I have with this is that this is just – this is – the it's not the government's business what you choose to do with your Second Amendment. I mean, I'd be – definitely concerned if they're monitoring every single purchase that i have and putting me on watch lists and stuff like that because i because i chose to do that because when the government can do these background checks there's nothing Mm -hmm. stopping them from simply monitoring me even more and trying to figure out what i have yep that that part there's a lot of scary stuff about it and i think the big part is just democrats continuously making it harder it's just it's interesting. It's a very interesting thing because I, as a conservative, I just am wired to think the ideology that I have learned. And for me, I just can't understand how <laughs> anybody could possibly see what we've done and push all these gun laws and show the results that the gun laws are only stopping legal citizens from getting stuff. Like, how can you look at that and say, oh, it's not working on people who are committing the crimes, but let's keep pushing these laws anyway. Like, how can somebody have that ideology? That's an interesting thing to me. And another thing that is really scary is who is the government to say who is fit to own a gun and who exactly. is Exactly. It's more infringement I mean, rights. what the government could say, oh, you want to purchase a gun? You must have a mental disorder. I'm putting you on a checklist and you can never purchase a gun again. Because the government... The government has already taken away guns from people. Remember during, I think it was Hurricane Katrina, when the government was knocking down doors and the, and what a, I think a 64, 65 year old lady got beat up because she had guns in her home that were legally purchased. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. That, this is, this is something that concerns all of America. It concerns our, our second amendment rights which are not to be infringed remember that that phrase <laughs> yeah. shall not be democrats infringed. have seen the forgotten that phrase democrats in the in the government yeah because they choose to put party before no america it's even deeper than that they choose to put power before party and then party before america well the party that they have they want to have yeah. power and then from there they want the individual to have yeah, the most. Absolutely. So that and that's exactly what's happening. And it's just some more alarming stuff. But with the with the topic of gun control being discussed, I do want to discuss another story that we have here, and it's our final topic. Is Washington State to ban citizens under twenty one from buying assault rifles. So the state of Washington is officially banning citizens under twenty one years of age from buying any type of assault rifle in that state. 
Okay, so number one, what does that accomplish besides making citizens not be able to protect themselves as much until they're older in age? But two, this is something that, while it is definitely an infringement, this isn't necessarily uncommon. Like in my state of Massachusetts, we already have this implemented. You can't you can't purchase a semi-automatic weapon if you are um, under 21. It's illegal in this state. You can't even own an AR-15 in this <laughs> state, which is ridiculous. It, it is a complete infringement. It's insane to me. And it's, it, and it's so alarming to me for the sole fact that it's so clear what's trying to be pushed here. And it's the eventual down the road. They're thinking long-term here. They want to eventually be able to just take guns away in general. And that's what's happening. They know... They oh, can't yeah. just snap their fingers and have everybody in the country not be able to purchase a gun. So what they're doing... That, that's why they're called progressives instead of flat-out yeah, communists. They're progressively one, one is evolution and one is revolution, that's and they're that. choosing they're the evolution. They're called progressives because they're progressively dismantling the Second Amendment. <laughs> that's what's happening here. They're progressive. And the Second Amendment is what protects the First Amendment. It's what protects know, everything. And it's what they're slowly dismantling. It started out as, oh, Let's just have all background checks. So that'll limit the the criminals from getting guns. Okay. And then they move on to the, oh, let's add a psychiatric evaluation. So that removes anybody who has some sort of mental problem from having a gun. And then they move on to the, oh, let's make it so only 21-year-olds can purchase an assault rifle, which removes 21 or 18-year-old assault rifle owners. Or assault exactly. weapons, not and then even they assault say, rifles. And then they have the assault weapons Exactly, ban. and then they have the semi-auto ban, and then they have this and that, and then the bump stock ban. It just is a downward spiral and a slow dismantling of one of the most important amendments. Un- until we become the UK where we can't own exactly. a Exactly, that, that's what their goal is. That's what they hope for one day. And them trying to push stuff like this is what is going to happen. I don't think that... Any of these things will happen in the long run. I think obviously the Washington State thing has already happened, but in terms of mm. the bill being introduced by Congress, there's no way that'll pass. Thank God, because we have the right people in Senate right now. I think it'll pass the House, but I don't see it passing the Senate. But we just got to keep electing the people that are going to worry about our rights before any type of power or profit. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this is because this is a fundamental. Um, right in the american country in in our nation this is something that makes us unique this is something that protects our families and this is and and the second amendment is our insurance policy in case if the government choose to chooses to become exactly exactly that that's what it really comes down to and that is why the second amendment is so is so feared upon by the um, progressives in office because they see that as something that holds back their power because the more power you have as a citizen the less power the government has and the more power the government wants the more the less um, power that the citizens will be able to have yep it's just a it's just a downward spiral as far as your rights go and that is that is really the biggest thing holding back the government from just turning yep, on us. Absolutely. I think that's the perfect note to end it on. Okay. So finally we have our local topic, which I'm going to let Ben explain because it is in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened 
So in class, we're doing presentations. This is in journalism class. We're doing presentations on journalists and stuff like that. Basically, people who've had influence in the media. And I have this one kid who is presenting. He, he was assigned Jack Dorsey, the owner of Twitter. And it was so cringy just seeing what he was posting or what he had on the slides. So he had as examples of Twitter and their um, and how influential they are in the media. They had tweets from I think it was CNN where it was saying how um, arming teachers does a disservice to both parties for gun control and how that's such a terrible thing. And then that was. I couldn't debate him because this was a class. This is what was he was teaching us. He was literally in front of the class teaching this. Mr. The um, teacher, I'm, I can't reveal his name. I can't reveal the student's name either. But the teacher did not say anything. Literally, he just let it slide. And then there was, there was just more. He So he was also assigned the owner of Dredge Report. And he was just he was just slandering the owner. He was criticizing him. He was um, saying how his site is fake news and all of that stuff. He was mumbling stuff under his breath. <laughs> and this was all let this was slip. They let this kid talk about this, and the teacher did nothing. There's nothing that he could do. So and you have some kids in this class that don't know anything about these people, they don't know what Drudge Report is, and they they just are feeding this, as, they're taking this in as knowledge, when this really is nothing but some kid's opinion that he's sharing to everyone, and and it is heavily biased, and and there's just nothing that was done about it. No other sides, there's just I nothing. was going to say the important part would be to have another side. And that's just unfortunately what schools are starting to not have in America. And that's kind of the biggest issue we see trending regardless of where you look for the most part. And I say especially in democratically leaning uh, states that you have this like it's just completely one sided. And anybody who is a Republican or a conservative is just usually the minority. Mm hmm. And and one thing I'll I'll also say is that that um gun can, that um with teachers being armed that was not the only liberal topic that he presented he presented several others and keep in mind again this was about um Jack Dorsey this isn't about CNN or any of these points and we we already know about all of the shadow banning and stuff like that that. Twitter does. He obviously did not. The kid did of not course mention not. <laughs> that. And he meant he mentioned several other liberal articles, like highly liberal. <laughs> like there is no sense of unbiasedness. It was completely biased. I just can't. I just can't remember them off the top of my head right now. That was the only one that just stuck with me. And I and I just see this as a big issue that you have no representation of facts, and that some students are students just have such radical views and they they can't tolerate hearing other people's views and they can't represent them yeah and and remember again these kids can be the future teachers of america these could be the future politicians 
So just so just again, America, just keep your conscience. Just look at all sides and don't take everything you learn as fact. That is that was perfectly put, Ben. Uh, so that is going to wrap up all of our topics today. So now, as always, like we do every week, we're going to be moving on into our last few little uh, segments that we always have. And that's going to start with books I am reading. So as always, I discuss with you guys the books I am currently reading at the moment and give you my feelings and opinions on them and then recommend or don't recommend them. So the first book I'm going to talk about is Ship of Fools by Tucker Carlson. So last episode, I had just started Ship of Fools and I finished it about three days ago. It was a great book and Tucker really shows how Washington is really more separated as elites and less as partisan legislators. Like how it's more money, the color green, than red and blue in Republican and Democrat. And they're pinning us against each other, regardless of how the everyday Americans' political views are. We're all being pitted against each other because these people are telling us what's happening, but it's not really reality. And Tucker uses a lot of examples saying, hey, you see this major Republican and this major Democrat, they think the exact same thing, and it just so happens that could profit them. And he gives a lot of those examples, and it was just an awesome book, and Tucker's one of my favorites, and I definitely 100% recommend this if you want to get a very insightful look at the political landscape in America today. It's a very new book. I think it came out in October, I believe. I just got it for Christmas, so that's why I was reading it now. But yeah, I 100% recommend that book. Uh, The next book that I'm currently reading at the moment is The Point of It All by Charles Krauthammer. And this is a book of conservative icon Charles Krauthammer's best columns in his 50-so year career. And I'm on chapter four, and it's a really solid book. Uh, I love Charles Krauthammer, and he was one of the thought leaders I looked at most when first getting into politics. Like, I really loved listening to him talk and reading his stuff. And when I was a little teensy-weensy little freshman trying to learn about politics, Krauthammer was one of my favorites. And it's really a shame that he passed away when he did. And he, was, he was only 68 years old, and he was taken really soon. But if you want... A very insightful, classical, traditional, conservative, just very good philosophical look on a lot of things. This book is for you because this book isn't just any type of book. It's a compilation of all of his greatest award-winning columns on all various types of topics. And it's just great. And every little article teaches you a little more that you didn't know before or gives you an insight on something. It's a great book too. I'm only on chapter four, like I said, so I'm not quite done yet, but I will keep you guys informed on when I do finish that. So yeah, that's books I am reading. Yeah. So uh, we were going to do shout outs, but we got the shout outs a little late this week. So unfortunately we are not going to be able to be uh, shouting out anybody in this video. But as always, we're going to be shouting people out next week. So if, as always, if you do want to be shouted out in one of our podcasts, all you have to do is like our shout out post. We post one every single week before we put out an episode and say like this and you will be shouted out. It's that simple. And if you, if you like the most recent one, we, we can just put you in. The yeah, we'll just put you episode. We'll shout that's you out. That's a good out. idea. So if you like this one that's out right now, we'll put you in the next episode. So we apologize for that, and uh, that's pretty much going to wrap up this week. I'm very glad to be back. It's a new year, 2019, and 
it was a lot of crazy stuff right here at the beginning of the year, first week of January, and we're already spiraling mm-hmm. into some crazy stuff going on all over the place. So as you know, that's very exciting for us because we get to commentate on all of it. So yeah, we have a lot of big mm-hmm. stuff coming this year. I'm excited. We got full full 12 months ahead of us of doing this, and I cannot wait. I'm ecstatic about it. Oh, yeah, same. This is going to be one of the most interesting years in American history. Oh, for for <laughs> sure, especially because... <laughs> for, for political history, Yeah, definitely. absolutely, especially with the campaign season starting this year. I mean, obviously, the election oh, next yeah. year. This, but is, this is going to be a complete war zone. Yeah, we're about to get into some murky waters. We're going to be having a lot of interesting <laughs> guests on. We're going to be debating a lot. We're probably going to get a lot of heat mm-hmm. from some liberals, as always, you know, but... We're happy mm-hmm. to take oh, yeah. part in all of it because we do it because we enjoy it immensely. And I'm very glad to see that we're not alone, that a lot of young Americans our age, 18 to 20, are very, very politically involved lately, especially in the last few and, years. And even younger, even some of our younger viewers and some of our younger um, features, it, it's really important that we get people from all ages and all sides of issues. Because remember... All of you, you are America. You the are future. the either the next, the direct next voting generation, or you're going to vote soon, or you've already voted and are going to continue. It, it's all important because yep. you are. Our <laughs> and future. to me, it's so, so helpful because it's bringing a new ushering in of education, self-education for a lot of young Americans. Because before this mm-hmm. election cycle in 2016, a lot of young Americans, including myself, weren't very invested in our education. We weren't very interested <coughs> in learning things. But politics is a great way to learn things like history, philosophy, ideologies, learn political science, learn psychology. Like it's, It really does teach all these different things. Science even. <laughs> like it, It's yeah. self-education. <laughs> Just remember that that school and education are not the same thing. You can you can learn every day. You can learn skills that you need in life. You can learn philosophies. You can learn facts and stuff. And and school is not the only way to get this education. And in many ways, it isn't even the best yep, way. Yep, absolutely. So so remember, just don't buy into everything you hear just because an adult says it don't believe a person just because they became a teacher <laughs> because that does not make their opinions any more qualified than the guy next door Absolutely. and 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 just look out for opinions and realize what an opinion is what a fact is and what you should be skeptical of and be skeptical of everything. Yep, absolutely. That is the perfect note to end it on. So uh, it's been a great week. I've been happy to cover it. And uh, as always, I'm Matt. And I'm Ben. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and Twitter and keep tracks. Give us a a subscribe. It it really means a lot to us. It does. And we, we love doing this. And just just keep it coming. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for being a great audience. Merka.